We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, before this show, Thomas sent me a picture and he said, um, would you ever wear this hat? And it, and it has an extremely 90s yeah. uh, baseball cap, Dolphins baseball cap on Marino. And I said, brother, I had that hat. This is Remember That Game, the podcast about sporting events that take you on a journey and maybe chart the path of the zeitgeist. I'm your host, Thomas Emmerich. And my guest is a throwback to an episode we did, Dolphins Chargers 1994 Divisional, with Danny Carter, now of NBC Sports and creator of Bad Faith Times. You want some Dan Marino, some Natron Means, and some being owned through the run game? Well, this could be for you. We'll now throw it back to June 2020. Our first returning guest, Danny, are you ready to dive down into your Dolphins past? I am. I am. I'm once. I'm ready to do that once again with you, Thomas. I'm, I appreciate and, and I'm honored to be your first return guest. I, I don't think I've enjoyed uh, being on a podcast as much as I did when we talked about uh, the Dolphins back in uh, in January. The history of the Bills uh, getting yeah. you swirlies throughout the '90s. As, right. <laughs> uh, and seeing him get in different situations where he'd had great seasons, but maybe the defense wasn't right, maybe the supporting cast wasn't right. How excited were you going into this one in January 95, the divisional round on the road in San Diego as only three-point dogs? Yeah, so um, that season felt different. Um, I, I have to say, you know, I think that was his first year back from the Achilles. Yep. And he came out, the season opener, through. 400 yards and and I think five touchdowns against Drew Bledsoe and the yeah. Patriots in, the, in one of the classic Marino games, maybe one of the classic NFL games, honestly. And and that team felt different because the defense, it wasn't great, but it was they they could stand their ground once in a while. You know they they didn't uh, they didn't bleed yardage and and, and touchdowns like they had year, years prior. Um, you know back then I remember thinking. Um, if Marino only had a running game, and you know, because this was the Stone Ages, and we didn't understand that um, the running game did not open up the passing game. In fact, it's the opposite. Uh, but back then, that was the common thinking that a quarterback, mm-hmm. any quarterback, no matter how good, needed an elite running game. And so you just waited and waited and waited. As a Dolphins fan, you waited for Marino to have a great running back and a great defense. And that would be the year. Well, this year that we're talking about the 94, 95 season, it was half of that. It was a, it was a good defense still no running game, but you know, truth be known, I don't think Marino even wanted a running game. I think that his ego was so big <laughs> that he, he wanted to win or lose on his arm. Yeah. And a very strange game when looking in the context of how 1990s football typically went, the Dolphins in this game would lead for just about all of it. Ugh. Marino would throw 38 passes. They'd only run eight times despite holding that much of a lead. The Chargers, despite trailing almost the entire game, found a way to run the ball 40 times. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> oh, man. Those Chargers, those 94-95 Chargers were a, a very high testosterone team. <laughs> 
it's and, and this is a foreshadowing of a game we're going to play at some point in this episode that is inspired by the Living the Stream podcast and your Twitter account. And the game will be called I'm Not Owned. And I'll bring up different <laughs> situations and you'll decide whether or not you're actually owned. And the Chargers are running 40 times and coming back. You, you can make the case whether you were or, or whether you are not owned. Right, uh, that's um, that's a tough call. I'm gonna say that I've never been on online, but <laughs> I did. I did feel. I did feel as a fan, as a Dolphins fan who who knew that Marino's clock was ticking at that time. Um, I knew that I had been owned offline when the Chargers eventually won that game. So this was the the. I don't know if you're gonna. I'm sure you're gonna set this up uh, for the for the audience here, but this was the second round of the playoffs, correct? Yep. And and the the Dolphins had beaten someone at home the week before. Is that right? They bounced Joe Montana in his oh. final NFL game. Yes, right, right. And that was an an incredible win. And I as I remember watching that, I went to a restaurant um, with my family when that game came on, and I was sweating over that game. And I was thinking, oh my god, like we can put an end to Montana. This is great because of course. Since Montana was one of the greats, you know, all-time greats, I I naturally hated him. So, yeah. um, so I and I just wanted my guy to finally get a win against uh, against everybody else's guy, you know. Um, so that that was awesome. One of my favorite anecdotes from the first episode of this podcast is when you mentioned how, because you know, you started watching football more in the early '90s, and you saw purely Montana on the Chiefs, which is still pretty good, but you know, not Niners days quite. And you wondering aloud uh, why everyone thinks Montana is so good in front of your father's friends. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and they were you know they were horrified because they had, they had seen him in his prime. And I'm like I'm like so wait why did it take so long for them to realize Steve Young was way better than Montana? Yeah. And then, and then of course I embarrassed myself as a ten as a ten year old I embarrassed myself. <laughs> As two adult men in our 30s, let's figure out if we're going to embarrass ourselves with this question. Okay. Could you say Marino was the best parts of Brady and Montana, but with a better arm and worse organization? Yeah, I, I love that question. Uh, and and I, think, I think you're onto something. I think as far as like, you know, they, everybody talks about Brady's will to win and his fire, you know, and determination. Marino had that in spades. You know, Marino was an absolute monster to his teammates on the field. Just the worst teammate you could possibly ask for. You know, uh, dressing down rookie pass catchers if they made a mistake on the field, uh, whether it was uh, a a route running mistake. And, you know, we see this tradition passed on. We see Aaron Rodgers doing this now with his guys. Uh, So I think that he does he does have those traits of those two guys. But the and the Dolphins organization was not good. It was not good. They made a lot of bad draft picks. Um, they made a lot of bad trades in those days. So I just I, I think that you're really onto something there. This is from the pregame lead up. You have Dick Enberg. The color commentator was named Bob Trumpy. I hadn't heard that name before. A little triggered by it. Is that, um, is, that the, is that the president's uh, secret announcer name? <laughs> yeah, this is how he communicates with journalists um, in the early <laughs> 90s, famously. Um, before the game, they said, and this is 1995, there are times when Marino just plays in a zone, like Michael Jordan used to play basketball, 1995. Wow. You can't, you can't stop him no matter what defense you draw up. And to set the stage here, Marino hadn't thrown an interception four games. He had just outplayed Joe Montana in the wild card to close the season. Oh, yeah. So he's coming back from a torn Achilles, which is unheard of at that time. Yeah. Um, Week one, five touchdowns, 472 yards against Parcells and the Patriots. And then down the stretch, he has the fake spike game against the Jets for a comeback win against a Jets team with Pete Carroll. That was neck and neck with them for the division. So they send the Jets season spiraling like they would many times in the 90s. And then like Marino owns the Jets the following week, they would lose to the Buffalo Bills. They got swept by the Bills, even though the Bills missed the playoffs this year. That's just how the 90s would go for Marino. They lose at a pesky Indianapolis team. Jim Harbaugh, Marshall Falk, Jim Johnson managing the defense. 
But then a, a must-win game as far as winning the division, Week 17, they beat a Lions team at home that had playoff implications and was a playoff team, and then dismissed Joe Montana in the wild card. So coming back from a torn Achilles, he's, he's top three in net yards per attempt behind Young and Aikman. Coming off the Achilles, the number one total offense in the NFL. There was no Michael Jordan playing basketball at the time. And these announcers were positing Dan Marino as that killer instinct guy to, to fill the void. Right. And, uh, and, and they and they had, yeah, I mean, they had seen him play for a long time. And I remember there was a Monday night game where um, a linebacker for Pittsburgh, I think his name was Greg Lloyd. Yeah, possibly Greg Lloyd. Real big, mean, like like very typical Steelers dude. He picked Marino up and drove him into the ground and broke his collarbone. Uh-huh. And Marino didn't lie there writhing. Instead, he grabbed Lloyd's uh, jersey and pulled him down and said something unspeakable to him <laughs> <laughs> and wouldn't let go of him until the reps came over and broke him up. I mean that that's the I think that that's the the kind of guy um the kind of guy he was but you know the the heartbreak that the dolphins were and experienced in the 90s um is reflected in the famous Hootie and the Blowfish uh lyric the the dolphins make me cry which when I when I first heard that lyric as a kid I thought no way does that lyric mean what I think it means because it it, ha- it has to be some you know artistic flourish that I just don't understand. But no, no, he was actually at the Miami Dolphins make him cry, and I was like, I can relate because I've literally cried many times over these stupid dolphins. <laughs> I, I had no idea that that was really. You also have the uh, pop culture tie-in of the previous off-season. Dan Marino filmed Ace Ventura. Yes, where where a missed field goal at the end plays a major role. Yes. Uh, not to uh, spoil too much, I'll start getting back toward the beginning of this game. Yeah, the yeah. game you mentioned at Pittsburgh, they go to Pittsburgh, who would be the eventual AFC title participant. They they go there, lose in overtime, and then they have a, a game that could really decide which team eventually goes on to win the division. And then they have that fake snap game where Marino pulls them past the Jets. Irving Fryer, you have O.J. McDuffie, who would later on lead the league in receptions during the season that we did on the first episode, 1999, for the Dolphins. But young O.J. McDuffie, Mark Ingram, I think, was injured at this point, and then Keith Jackson at tight end, who would rip the Chargers defense to shreds in the first half of this game. Yeah. Is it? Do you think this is the most underrated uh, trio of receiving weapons that Marino's had? It was. It was... Yeah, definitely underrated. Uh, it was definitely the best that he had had since the since Clayton and Duper, um, I think. Uh, although obviously that that's not a trio, but uh, the yeah, I mean Fryer, Fryer was legit. Um, McDuffie kind of came on, I think, later in the season a little bit and earned earned Marino's trust. You know, because McDuffie was young and Marino was a hundred years old at the time. Um, and then uh, and Keith Jackson was like. As the kids say, low key dominant um, mm-hmm. through through parts of that season, and Marino knew it. Marino would just fire it into um, to Jackson, no matter where he was, no matter what the coverage was. Uh, and I have to say that looking back at um, at highlights of that season, Marino's arm was really lively. And I say that as someone who doesn't watch or analyze film at all, but it just looked. Like he had an incredible amount of zip on every pass. When it, when you compare it, especially to like the ninety eight, ninety nine seasons, uh, where he basically just had nothing on the ball um, every time he dropped. But kind of kind of like Peyton Manning, although not as dramatic as Peyton Manning, because uh, Peyton could barely throw it fifteen yards by the end. The Dolphins they record their first first quarter passing touchdown of the season. Marino finished the season. Third in total passing touchdowns behind Favre and Young, but had not thrown a single one in the first quarter. Uh, I think they they really tried to establish um, <laughs> a little bit, and yet he still managed to pull off 30, though his first one of the season was in this game, and it was to Keith Jackson. They, they were able to mess with the Chargers' defense by you know, motioning Keith Jackson or having Keith Jackson split out and having receiver motion to his side and have him cutting in. And they have one Marino throw in this game where Jackson – 
runs an out and up, and Marino just has the mustard on it to hit that past the the first line of defense and right right before the safety, like even fading away. I mean, as far as a quarterback who could get be pressured and kind of step aside and being off his platform and and hit yeah. it past twenty yards on the field that can't float. Marino did it as beautiful as anyone I can remember. He he had great feet, right? I mean, just yeah. the abil- the ability to move around, not mobile, but the ability to just dance, boom, 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 avoid rushers. It was really, really something I, I don't really think you see that much. I mean, maybe Philip Rivers has gotten good at that because Rivers is just literally a statue. But Marino was, was, was probably the best ever at doing that. Yeah, and Keith Jackson with the first two touchdowns of this game. The playoff performer uh, on another episode I did with uh, Eric Eager, we looked in the, the Packers win in San Francisco against Steve Young in the mid-90s. And Keith Jackson for the Packers was the unexpected star of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, if DFS existed mm-hmm. at this time, if you had DraftKings, Keith Jackson, I imagine, tight end this weekend would have gotten you there, except Jay Novacek. It was actually an odd divisional round weekend. We are like thinking about, hey, should I run a tight end in the flex? <laughs> yeah, should we yeah. get real nuts? Uh-huh. Um but th- this game is also inspired by um, living the stream. The-, the game is called hashtag refuse to be cute. Uh, so you have four <laughs> games with some pretty big stars this weekend. You got Niners hosting the Bears, then the 90s Cowboys hosting the Packers. Yeah. And you got this battle here with San Diego and Miami. And then you have Pittsburgh hosting Bill Pelichick's Cleveland Browns. Are there any other players this weekend you think it would be a little too cute to avoid playing? Well, I feel like uh, it would probably be too cute to fade Natron Means. Yeah. Right? I mean, uh, you know, I uh, the hindsight, of course, is 2020, but Means was the workhorse on a team that was committed to establishing the run no matter what. As you said, I mean, they, they were losing for you know all but one minute of the game or or 30 seconds of the game and they continued to hammer the run um so i I feel like means probably would have been a guy who you know he goes into it it was a home game they were they were a three-point favorite is that right yes the chargers yeah three-point favorites at home so i feel like against against sort of a a a middling run defense in in the dolphins side i feel like that would be one where you're just like yeah i I gotta do it. It feels a little like Derrick Henry in these past playoffs. Where yeah. Like I just, I like let's not let's not be dumb. Let's not do, get too cute, as you said. Yeah. If I jumped in my time machine and and brought DraftKings with me, I would refuse to be cute and start Barry Foster from the Steelers game. Mm-hmm. How, how about this uh, level of testosterone? The Steelers uh, win twenty, I think it's twenty nine to nine against the Browns. Barry Foster, a running back, 24 carries for 133. Bam Morris, another running back on the Steelers, 22 carries for 60. Wow. Wow, really? Yeah, this is a T weekend. Emmett Smith, because he left the game early with an injury against the Packers. And then in the Niners game, if you ran Ricky Waters, you got bit because they just smashed the Bears and uh, Floyd vultured three touchdowns for them. To your point about Natron means Trumpy, the the color commentary guy, he said some stuff that also blends into the other game, uh, I'm not owned. So would these comments by him about Natron means own you? Okay. Uh, running the sweep with Natron means, it's like a pass. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's good. It's like a pass, only not. Not a pass. But yeah, no, that, that definitely is, uh, I feel, feel a little owned, yeah. It's 240 pound running back running outside the tackle as yeah. basically a pass. Oh, and one more from Trump. He says, Now that's the way you use Natron means. You get him at those defensive backs, soften him up. That, there, there, there's a lot of tea going on during this broadcast. That is, man. I mean, that, that's such a. I remember the, those kind of. I don't think that announcers say that much anymore, that sort of thing. Soften him up. I mean, that is like. like horrifying imagery you know soften them up soften them up for what for the kill like what what's going to happen to the defensive backs (laughs) the first quarter you get two you get one touchdown from keith jackson the second quarter he hits paydirt again 
Chargers have two possessions inside the 10-yard line, and then they also get you know deep in Dolphins' territory. Besides that, only come away with six points. Dan Marino hits Mike Williams for touchdown pass right before the half. Dolphins go in 21-6 to intermission. How good are you feeling? Feeling great. And and I also am realizing now that there have been 47 receivers with the name Mike Williams over over the course of my of my NFL watching life. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, fe- feeling good because this is like, you know, if you build a, a, a decent lead, you know, it'll, it'll get you there. I, I was feeling good, Thomas. And do you, do you remember where you were just at your house watching the game? Were you were you in public managing th- this uh, anxiety? No, no, no. I, I I was uh I was at yeah I was at home. I was watching with my best friend, uh, and my dad. Um, my best friend didn't root for or against the Dolphins, um, but he had a soft spot for the Chargers for some reason, and it really really bothered me. Uh. I, for some reason as a kid, I really disliked Junior Seau, you know, rest in peace. I'm, and I have nothing against him as an adult or, you know, when he was alive, of course. But, uh, but as a kid, I just, for some reason, I was so bothered. I think, I think it was, he owned the Dolphins so hard uh, during certain times where, and he would do like the dance and like get in people's faces and as a ten-year-old, I would be like overcome with negative emotion, I, and and you you can't, as a kid, you you try to reel it in, but you can't. You just lose control. So I had I had some bad feelings for those Chargers. You listeners out there will be hearing the audio, but you have a nice shade of Dolphins uh, blue on your shirt. Um, and at the at the time, you had one of those sweet Dolphins, very '90s hats that Marino had on the sideline. Did you get it? You saw him with it on the sideline, tilting his brains out. Oh man, yeah. That that when you sent me that picture, uh, well, you know, before the show, Thomas sent me a picture and he said, um, "Would you ever wear this hat?" And it and it has an extremely '90s yeah. uh, baseball cap, Dolphins baseball cap on Marino. And I said, "Brother, I had that hat." <laughs> I had every uh, Dolphins hat that would come out in August. I think they released it just before the season started and um, made by the same company. And um, I, I bought it every year and I and I would wear it no matter what. I mean, if I had just gotten a haircut, I'm putting that thing on and I'm going out in it. If I'm playing wiffle ball at the uh, at the field, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing it. If I'm throwing the ball around, football around with, with people, I'm wearing the damn hat. I wore that thing everywhere. I mean, I remember, yeah, wearing, like, I'd go play sports, and I had a Randy Moss jersey. Yeah. Uh, I go play, you know, just go play sports in, like, elementary school, and it, it made me feel faster. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, dude, I I uh, probably wore a Dan Marino jersey in the summer, probably, like, um, on average, like, four days a week. Um, and, because I, I had three or four different kinds, you know, the yeah. teal one, the the white one the black one which is not even a thing but it i i got it um for christmas one year and uh and and then i forget the the other one oh oh i think it was orange is that possible um but uh yeah so um i i had i had a bunch and i would wear i i wore those out man and i would wear them in 95 degree heat didn't matter didn't matter (laughs) in the 90s as i've learned doing this podcast any Jersey alt as possible. Any amount of busyness on a piece of team apparel is possible. I have a, this brewing theory. I'm going to try to get it peer-reviewed. But that in the 90s, if you change your team jersey to something that was full throttle 90s, you end up going farther. Like the, the Broncos changing their jerseys, mm. they they break through. The Rams change theirs. The Seattle Supersonics and the Utah Jazz get through the Western Conference. And I, I think Marino's hat, I'm going to say, gave him some special powers in coming back from that Achilles injury. I think I think you're right. I, I hadn't thought about it like that, but you're right. I mean, the Jazz never made it uh, to the finals until they they finally changed their uniforms. Although I love the old Jazz uniforms. Yeah, the old Jazz uniforms are great. The green and yellow Sonics ones are good too, and they go to this 
very distinct 90s vibe. When I saw that Marino hat in the sideline, at, when they're showing the halftime stats, I could only think, uh, oh, this is the most 90s thing. I hope Denny owned yeah. his hat. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I had that for sure. And then at halftime, they showed how Marino was 11 for 13 passing, well over 100 yards, two touchdowns in just the second quarter. Mm. And what what transpires in the third quarter involves Marino only being able to attempt three passes. It starts with Chargers getting down to the goal line. Natron means fumbles. It hits the pylon, which would be a touchback. But because it was fourth down and because in the 70s, the Chargers missed the playoffs on the holy roller play where in that very stadium, a player, a Raiders player fumbled forward. Dave Casper recovers in the end zone for the Raiders. They win and Chargers miss the playoffs. The NFL changes the rule that you can't fumble forward on fourth down. It comes back to where you are. So instead of Dolphins starting at the 20-yard line, they start at their own one. They hand off to Bernie Parmley, stuffed safety. Yeah. A long drive for the Chargers begets another long drive for the Chargers. What was your tilt level at that moment? Did you leave the room? Did you eat more? Did you start screaming? I Yeah, so I felt like at that point that the crowd was, was really into it. I'm not at 30, whatever I am, 36, I'm not a, a believer in the power of momentum. But at, at, in, in 1995, everybody was a believer in the power of momentum uh, and the power of love. But the so the um, uh, so the, the, the crowd getting into it and the Chargers coming back and the Dolphins, like I said, they, it was, they were not a strong finishing team like they they didn't have as a team they did not have a killer instinct on any level um and uh uh so you you in that position there at the one inch line um i remember distinctly thinking they're gonna run it and it's gonna be a disaster and like i was almost glad it was just a safety and not a fumble for a touchdown (laughs) because because that it was so typical of that team to just be like you know what guys we're not gonna lose we know we may not win, but we're not going to lose. And so, the, you know, that the the play there obviously was to let Marino to you know drop back a few steps and 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 throw a dart and get out of the you know shadow of the goalpost, as the uh, announcers love to say. So uh, um, that was um, that was devastating. And then the cra- and the team, the Chargers went crazy after that. The Dolphins yeah. were absolutely beaten down. Uh, that was that was a huge shift. I think it's an undeniable advantage, at least compared to nowadays, where when the Dolphins have the ball against their own end zone, the fans are going wild. And nowadays, that only happens when the Chargers are against their own end zone on offense. Um, that, that, <laughs> it was the loudest I've ever heard that, that stadium in San Diego. Yeah, man. Look, the Chargers used to have like a real home field advantage. It was, it was wild to see. It was it was. It was a real thing, and then yeah, yeah. you we'll get into that down the stretch in this game. Um, they they would shoot cannons off after, and, and on the final drive of this game, which we'll eventually get to, on the final drive of this game, there's so much smoke on the field that you can barely see from the broadcast. You can barely see Don Shula scooting around on the sideline because he tore his Achilles. Just yeah. just like Marino, yes, Shula and Marino both tore their Achilles. So, yeah, the the Chargers embark on another long drive. They keep Marino on the sidelines. Total plays in this game would be 83 for the Chargers, 46 for the Dolphins. What? (laughs) Which which is crazy. Uh, Or at least least passes and runs combined. I don't... 83 plays? I mean, just that in itself. Yeah, yeah. 40 runs, 43 passes. And they kept the ball throughout the third quarter. Um, yeah, they, they drive down to the goal line, fumble off the pylon, immediate safety, another long drive for the Chargers, touchdown, go from down 21-6 of the half with the safety and the touchdown to down 21-15. Now, re- they kept bringing up replay. The Natron means stepping out of bounds, Chargers touchdown. Like, clearly, like it's not even close. Yeah, and, and instant, instant replay was around from 85 to 91. They got rid of it, came back in 99. But in, in 94, the announcers seemed to already be tired, you know, and by January 95. Do you think that this game suffered greatly from not having instant replay? 
I mean, I am a replay hater, and I would like to see it completely scrapped just for the sake of, of you know, getting the game going and, like, the, the pacing of the game, the flow of the game. But as a fan, it's, you know, it is the worst possible outcome to have your team booted from the playoffs, be, you know, because... They missed a, a call, like a blatantly bad call. Um, and now that I'm saying this, I can see why Saints fans are still not over that call against w- with the Rams and Saints in the NFC title game right. because they had replay. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it still didn't, didn't help. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Couple touch Chargers touchdowns that may have been in, and then this touchdown by Natron means actually out of bounds. I, I went through a lot of YouTube comments, and there's definitely instances where one person was commenting multiple times that this is all engineered at the Dolphins' expense to make the league bring back instant replay. Uh, oh, that, well, that, that's quite the conspiracy. Listen, yeah. I'm sure the NFL didn't want Dan Marino in a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, that's... You know, that. <laughs> let's let's be honest. The, the NFL's aim was always to get Stan, Stan freaking Humphrey. The best home game you could possibly think of. Yeah, Pittsburgh hosting Dan Marino is right up there. Potentially getting Dan Marino in a Super Bowl against Steve Young. I mean, do you oh. think that this Dolphins team, at the it's, it would be a home game in Miami. Do they have a shot? Um, you, that's right. I that was another factor throughout the season uh, that I was super excited about because I was like, if you get a home, if you get a home game in the Super Bowl, you win. That's what that was my mindset. I used to write fan fiction about that, by the way. Uh-huh. Uh, if I could find it, I would definitely put it on Twitter. I, I don't think I can. So, but uh, I do, I do absolutely one hundred percent think the Forty ers would have steamrolled. Dolphins, and so even if it's in Miami, that that Forty ers team was unstoppable on uh, in every way. You know, passing game, running game, defense, special teams—they had no weakness. They would have beaten the Dolphins. They would have crushed the Steelers. They humiliated the Chargers. I, that game was over in the first quarter. That game was over with like eight minutes to go in the first quarter. I'll go back to the game. I'm not owned. And late in the fourth quarter, Natron Means gets his 21st carry. The color commentator says, how many carries does he have? 21? I say 25 and they win. And he ended up with 24? Yeah. Oh, man. So, so, is he, so maybe he's owned. Maybe you're not the one who's owned because he didn't get 25 and they still won. Uh, well, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, the backwards correlation is always fun. And, yeah. you know, I don't know who's owned by it. I would guess it's the person who's saying it, but you know, <laughs> but being you know, just saying like if you run it this many times, you will win. Trust me, uh, you know that's that's hilarious. And amazingly, in the year 2020, uh, we still we still see that. You know, we yeah. still see that like you know you'll see like the main ESPN account yeah. tweet something like. Like the Titans are eight no when Derrick Henry won, runs twenty two times. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the announcers also got into some huge tilt when Keith Jackson catches a pass, 
attempts a forward lateral that watching the replay, I actually kind of dug the effort and knowing they didn't score again. You're like, yeah, go for that lateral, the fryer, see if it works. It becomes a forward pass or it's ruled a forward yeah. pass instead of a fumble recovered by the chargers. Do you admire the moxie there? That is some moxie. It's super dumb. But, um, but if you watch the replay, he's clearly trying to lateral it to his left and somebody comes at the last possible yeah. second and comes and slaps his wrist. And so his wrist is his his whole hand and arm are redirected forward and he has no chance to go left. But if that last second slap doesn't come, that is a lateral to Fryer and he probably doesn't score, but he picks up a few yards. The announcers tilted on this for a good fifteen minutes on and off. And then they go into high T mode to support their their own case that it should be a fumble. And that official, Johnny Greer, is looking into the eyes of a first lieutenant in the U.S. Army, Bobby Ross, a company commander of a take division, who wants to know how in the world can that be? Wow. So he's like, he's like, well, it should be a fumble. I'm right. He's right. an Army general, and he agrees with me. Listen, man, you got to believe the troops would call that a fumble. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Kind of odd angle Emberg went with. Those referee better rethink that call. He's, he's talking to a tank commander. It's like, it's like, so what, wait, is, Bobby what are you Ross go, is Bobby Ross going to shoot him with a tank? Is that the implication here? <laughs> I was trying to figure out, like, is he in, are you saying he's in physical danger? What's going on, Dick? That's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> And then later on, the sideline guy, uh, Dockery, says, you know, Dick, I just talked to Jerry Seaman, head of officials, and he told me it was simply this. It's an illegal forward pass, and he compared it to a quarterback running beyond the line of of scrimmage and throwing the ball. It's a five-yard penalty, loss of down. It's a very bizarre play, but he said it was called correctly by the officials. Back to you, Dick. And then Enberg just goes, oh, uh, I don't know. That sounds like a cover. No. (laughs) Dick. It, that was the right call. Get, get over it. I mean, you can always, especially back then, you can always kind of tell if, if, if announcers had a little money on the, <laughs> on the team. You know. I couldn't I, stop thinking. Do they got Chargers minus three? What's going on? Here? Yeah, right. I mean, I think that that's, that's probably what was happening. I mean, I, over over the years, Al Michaels hasn't even been, uh, you know, coy about it. Like, he's yeah. been, like, up front, like, like, like the, 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 the game just went over with that field goal, and I hate that because, you know, he'll be like, and many, many people are upset that that field goal went through the goalposts. We'll be back. Like, yeah, okay, you just you just lost 50 grand, Al. Guess what? It doesn't matter to you at all. <laughs> One of my favorite things about going back in, in these old games is I just didn't notice it when I grew up, but, like, the, uh, the announcer, like, like when they, noticing that the, the announcer is over-tilting about one side yeah. losing has been one of the most entertaining parts that I've loved about rewatching these old games. Well, yeah, um, it's always like very vague references to, to betting, right? Yeah. Just like the, the, you know, the over, um, you know, the, the, the point spread. I mean, it's, but they can't say it outright. They can't be explicit, but that, you know, it's just coded language. It's like listening to like a 1960s song about sex. You have to be very, you have to <laughs> listen to it very carefully. Yeah. Natron Means yeah, obviously took over the second half there. He was second in the NFL in first downs that season behind Emmett Smith, tied with Barry Sanders. And the announcers, I, I guess one thing I did appreciate, they they really illustrated and brought Marino's sideline tilt to the forefront. And one of the announcers would say, like, meanwhile, Marino says, when's my turn? Come on, tell them they pay me a lot to play, not watch. This is verbatim, them just saying this. Uh, and then Ember goes, like like a cat out there in the San Diego Zoo, Marino, encaged on that far sidelines. <laughs> I, I remember announcers doing that a lot back then, but I also remember Fox being the first uh, network who that would that would slow down, that would do instant replay, slow motion instant replay for when players lost it on the sidelines and oh. and, and cursed a blue streak, right? So you would just see their mouths move. <laughs> You would go, what is he? Oh yeah, my I, God. <laughs> he said that to him. He called yeah. him that. Wow. I yeah. didn't know that that was possible. Yeah. You, you just get the, the Sam Darnold sideline face. Just like, oh my <laughs> God. In your adolescence, seeing, seeing what really goes down the sidelines can be eye opening. So you get, you get into the fourth quarter. 
The Chargers get in position. It's 21-15. They run this crazy crossing route where Mark Say kind of goes through the line of scrimmage yeah. for the go-ahead touchdown. Marino has 40 seconds left. In that moment, how confident? I mean, knowing you have Marino. Yeah, uh, I, I used to be way overconfident when Marino would have a minute or two in the ball because, you know, my, my dad had drilled it in my head that uh, that no one was better in in a tight spot late in the game than Marino, that if anybody could do it, it was him. So as a kid, as uh, in 1995, I was um, I was 12. I remember... I guess I was probably 11 when this game was played. Uh, I remember having extreme confidence that he could get into field goal range and that Soyanovich could, could deliver. And, and, I, and I, rem- I remember thinking, you know, let's not discount a, a touchdown because, you know, this is, this is Marino. This is my, this is my guy. He's going to do it. He's going to do, do something positive. Yeah. We're going to win this game. And Marino gets the ball right back, delivers a 32-yard strike that probably would have been caught by, uh, I think it was the fourth receiver or the fifth receiver on the roster. He gets clotheslined a tick before the ball gets there. The Dolphins are in position to take two throws even before kicking the field goal. And they both go to not McDuffie or Jackson or Fryer, to Mike Williams, a less-used player, Mike Williams is also the player Marino targeted on the third down the previous drive that could have gotten them close to icing the game. Kim and Marino weren't totally in sync. At the time, were you thinking, like, why are we not getting Fryer a shot in this situation or Keith Jackson? I don't remember thinking that, but I, I do remember like really focusing in on on Jackson on a lot of key plays throughout that game and thinking, like, it's got to go to him. Because he was just humiliating the San Diego mm. linebackers over and over and over again. Um, they they had single coverage on him, I think, through at least most of the game. Maybe they clamped down on him late in the fourth or something. Um, but uh, he was doing whatever he wanted. Um, and, and I remember keeping my eye on, on him as, as much as you could, you know, on the release from the line of scrimmage and maybe on short routes. Um uh, but, it, you know, I mean, yeah, Mike Williams, what, he's the he's probably the fourth or fifth option in that offense at the time. Um, so it was, it was surprising. Let's just say that. Jackson, a player, the first three years of his career, all pro with Randall Cunningham and the Eagles, ends up in Miami. Marino and, and the offense was doing a good job of getting him split out in positions to make plays. But on those final two throws, they go slant to Mike Williams, popped up in the air by Junior Seau, great defensive play, nearly gets picked. Then on second down, um, Mike Williams is running open behind the defense to the end zone. They can't quite get the timing down, falls incomplete. And then Pete Stoyanovich comes on. This the most deflated you've ever been after a kick. Oh, the snap is high. It's wide right. Yeah, so the snap snap was one of the worst snaps you'll ever see that that is actually caught, you know, by by the uh, holder. Yeah. Um, it's so high, you know, probably three or four feet higher than it than it should have been. Um, I, I will say that um, if it's going to be a missed field goal to end your season, um, bander jagging it is better than missing it by a smidge to the left or right. And that's what Stojanovich did here. He, he vanderjagged it. The thing was, the thing started, it started 10 yards right yeah. of the, of the right post and it, and it kept fading. So it w- it never had a chance. You knew from the millisecond it was kicked that it was, that it was a miss. Um, so I will say that that was less torturous than, than a, than a, than a close miss. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, it was, it was a huge blow because like I said earlier, uh, the clock was ticking. Like Marino didn't have that much longer left and you, you knew it, you know, I mean, yeah, he looked great in that game. He looked great through parts of that season. It was amazing that he had come back from uh, just a devastating, uh, Achilles injury. Like you said, people, people were not coming back from, 
from Achilles injuries at that time. So, you know, for him to look that good, it was amazing. But you, but you just, you know, you kind of got the sense. I mean, he was probably in his mid thirties at that point. It wasn't common for players to play, you know, like today, you know, every quarterback plays till they're 49 years old. It's not, you know, it wasn't like that back then. So to blow a chance like that to get to the AFC title game, uh, definitely, uh, was, a was a gut punch. I, I do believe that was one of the games, one mm. of the many games. I, I want to say, I want to say that I cried after maybe eight to ten Dolphins games in my life, and that yeah. was definitely one of them. Do you think this one took the longest to recover from? I'm trying to think of a more devastating loss, and it's that's I, they did well. I actually think that losing to the Bills in the AFC title game yeah. in ninety ninety two, I want to say. Um, was maybe worse, but but that was a I think that was a blowout, um, if I remember correctly. So it wasn't the same kind of of heartache, you know, it, it just just varying varying degrees of heartache. Um, but to get to the a- AFC title game uh, was was something different than losing in the second round of the playoffs. And you know, I, I don't I don't think that the Dolphins would have would have beaten that Steelers team anyway how electric that offense was looked for stretches, especially in the first half and the second quarter of this game. Is that the one team that gives the Niners the best shot in a Super Bowl from the AFC? Uh, yeah. I mean, look, I would love, I would love to believe, you know, that the Dolphins could give the Steve Young machine, you know, that, that were the 49ers that year, uh, a run, a run for their money, as the Zoomers are saying. But the, but the, uh, I, I just, I just can't imagine that. Even if Marino had a had a great game and threw for four hundred yards and a few touchdowns, it just feels like that Niners offense was so efficient and so brutal in the way that they took took teams apart. Yeah. Um, it just, it's, I just, I just seriously doubt that Miami could hang with them. If what you say happens and, and and Marino plays out of his mind in the Super Bowl, but the, you know the Niners still put up fifty on the the Dolphins defense because they're not stopping him, does that change the way we talk about the best quarterbacks of all time conversation today? Does Marino come up in that conversation more often if he does get a chance in that Super Bowl to play well? Uh, no, my my just short answer to that is no because the only thing that matters in these all time quarterback discussions is quarterback is Super Bowl wins. Um, that's, that's all it, all it comes down to is just, did they win the Super Bowl? And that's why, you know, just stupidly Troy Aikman is in the Hall of Fame. Troy Aikman has no business being in the Hall of Fame, except for that he won a couple, he won three Super Bowls. Yeah. I mean, good, you know, good for him, but that, you know, he doesn't, that, that, that I, for me, that doesn't make you an, an like an, like a lock for the, for the hall, um, of course, Marina would have gotten in anyway, no matter what happened. But no, I, I think if they go to the if they go to the Super Bowl, Marino has a great game. They lose, you know, forty nine to twenty one. Um, I still, I think that he is still kind of you know left out of that all time great quarterback talk, which is really just what well, it, it just boils down to Brady, Montana, who else? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Elway. Yeah, Brady Montana, Elway. It's, it's seen for a short bit that Rodgers might make a case, and that kind of died off the last five years. But then again, look at, look at Brett Favre should be in that conversation, but he won one. You know, and and that and so, you know, if he had won, if he had won both of the Super Bowls, because he I, he did lose one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, if he had won both of the Super Bowls, I think that he would be thrown in that conversation. But all that matters in the end. Is Super Bowl victories. I and I think that's as a Dan Marino truther. I think that's unfortunate. Yeah. My my last question. Will you join me in 2020 in kind of popping into these conversations and going, oh, what about what about Marino? Maybe anytime someone puts a goat emoji next to Brady, just drop a what about Marino in there. Yeah. I, I will. Thomas, I will join you in this mission <laughs> to to troll the hell out of anybody who calls Tom Brady the goat because. They're just they're just forgetting about they're forgetting about Marino. As soon as I remind them, as soon as you remind them, I'm sure they'll be like, oh right, 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 right. I forgot, I forgot. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> or or they'll come back at you and say he never won the big one. Yeah, and that's the and and that's all the exhilaration I need from this convo uh, that I'm having with a stranger is that they said he didn't win the big one. I just I just smile like that is the end all be all. Yeah, and in my past podcast, I've yeah, talked about yeah, different people I'd like to get in the Hall of Fame. Marino's already in the Hall of Fame, but maybe maybe we get on on top of uh, on some listicles. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, you're right. I, I it, it drives me nuts when he's when he's left out. I I uh, you know follow a lot of like film analysis accounts, and they they will tweet highlights of Marino's you know, early 80s seasons and be like, the fact that he was doing this back then yeah. is the most overlooked part of maybe the entire history of the league. You know, that he was putting up those numbers and making the throws and throwing as much as he did back then. That just, it just wasn't happening. No one was doing that. And, you know, the Dolphins were and he was. This has been another episode of Remember That Game. Please rate, review, subscribe, and check out more episodes. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.